Hi, I'm Evan Windham from the Bullock, Texas State History Museum in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the fifth and final episode in our podcast, a recount of my deep dive into the history of legendary guitarist Stevie Ray Vaughan. Last time, we surveyed the rise of the band, from their discovery in 1982 at the Montreux Jazz Festival to their position as the most popular blues band in the world until Stevie Ray's untimely death in 1990 at age 35. Now we'll take a look at Stevie's legacy and reflect on the impact of his talent and good nature on newer generations of musicians and music lovers. We're glad you've joined us. When I stepped back and reflected on the bigger messages that poked through all the fun facts and interesting anecdotes I'd gathered for this podcast, I realized something. I'd heard a consistent refrain from virtually everyone I interviewed. They all emphasized Stevie's good-hearted nature, his modesty, and the respect and personal attention he graciously offered his fans. So I decided to close this podcast by focusing mostly on the legacy of Stevie Ray's generous spirit. But first, a quick list of achievements. It's truly impressive. In 10 short years, Stevie won six Grammys, five WC Handy Awards, and 10 Austin Music Awards. And Double Trouble has sold 15 million albums to date. Stevie was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame in 2000, and Double Trouble's drummer, Chris Layton, shared his amazement at the public's response to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's call for nominations in 2015. I think it was Mark Murray that said, Look at this, you guys have gotten like 18 million votes, the most popular out of all the candidates. Do 18 million people even know who we were? I was kind of surprised. You go, really, is that true? It was most definitely true. The band and Stevie's brother Jimmy attended the induction ceremony where Double Trouble joined Jimmy Vaughn, Gary Clark Jr., Doyle Bramhall II, and John Mayer in an emotional rendition of Texas Flood. The stage contained three generations of guitarists and told a tale of Stevie's influence across time. When I first saw the Hall of Fame induction video, I wondered why John Mayer was on stage with Jimmy and these other well-known purveyors of the blues. Now I understand how much he credits Stevie Ray as an inspiration. He even sports Stevie's initials, SRV, in a tattoo modeled after the shiny stickers Stevie put on his guitars. While researching this project, I caught incredible live shows by Gary Clark Jr., an Austin native, and Lost Lonely Boys from San Angelo, Texas. Both publicly acknowledged Stevie's influence. And while each band has unique styles that can shift in many different directions, much like Stevie and Double Trouble, if you listen carefully, certain guitar tones and licks surface. They point to a definite audible connection back to Stevie. In 1993, a Stevie Ray Vaughan newsletter appeared, 
a posthumous chronicle of his history. Its author, Craig Hopkins, often included interviews with musicians who were impacted and influenced by Stevie. And at its peak, the journal was mailed to thousands of fans all over the world. It's since become a website, StevieRay.com, that remains active today, 27 years after Stevie's death. I talked with Craig because I was curious whether or not younger generations were still discovering Double Trouble's music. It's amazing how many inquiries I still get from young people. It's very encouraging to see that teenagers are still enjoying and discovering Stevie's music. I remember getting an email one time several years ago. They said that they had uh, discovered a particular song that some country and western artist had recorded. And from that, they learned that the song was originally done by Stevie. And so they became a fan of Stevie's music through this country and western experience. And I said, yeah, and now what you need to do is figure out where Stevie got it, and that's go back and listen to Buddy Guy. So uh, people are still finding his music. And in some cases, they're finding out Stevie got it from Freddie King or Buddy Guy or whomever. And it all makes sense now, in retrospect. Stevie is a link in an unbroken chain that ties together the past and the future, across time and also musical genres. But even with all of this evidence of Stevie's success and his influence on later generations of musicians and fans, I was interested in other elements that could explain his lasting impact. I asked Chris Layton for his thoughts. You know, when I've gone through and listened to all the music we made, I go, you know what, it all makes perfect sense now more than it ever has. I can hear the growth, the struggle, the resolution, whatever, the finding out, the whatever we learned. I could hear all this happening, and I go, it's a really good body of work. And I think that was because of him. No matter where the source was, whether it was, say, Stevie and Doyle Bramhall writing songs together, or whether or not we participated as a band, you know, to put together music, we didn't do anything that Stevie said he didn't feel a real personal, deep connection to. There wasn't any, like, this will play good at radio, that make a good video, there was none of that. So I think within all that was this purity that touches people some way, you know, that they go, yeah, yeah, I like these guys. This means something. Double Trouble bassist Tommy Shannon offered his own take on why the band has remained in the public consciousness. Well, the music we played was lasting, you know, it's something real. A lot of bands don't have that. You hear a hit song from them, and then they fade away to obscurity. But some bands stay. It's like what they do is timeless. And I think that's what we did. A certain amount of vision and a body of quality work are always essential to any artistic legacy. But I was still interested in hearing more about Stevie's good-natured everyman quality. I'd heard about it from so many people. I combed through my interviews and found two heartfelt anecdotes from Tommy and Chris. Well, everybody knew how good and how beautiful his playing was. But if they knew him personally... Uh, his soul was just as beautiful. You know, he was a very humble person, uh, but yet strong. Stevie was a very good-hearted person. Um, he wasn't by any stretch of the imagination perfect, but I'll tell you, I'll give you a little story. In uh, 1989, we played Madison Square Garden, sold out. And I was riding around, and I came across the loading dock area. And I looked down there, and down where all the trucks are underneath Madison Square Garden, 
Stevie's down there talking to this old man who's pushing a broom. He's the, one of the janitors at the garden. Stevie's down there. I get kind of teared up about this. It, they're sitting there laughing, having a good time. And one of the people from the organizations that come, they go, where's Stevie? We're looking for Stevie. So-and-so, the record company got president. And I go, he's right down there. Runs down there. He's like, come on, you got to come right now. And so-and-so's here and so-and-so's there. And he's, he's, I'll be up there in a minute. He goes, I'm talking to this gentleman right now. He goes, we're almost done. I'll, I'll be up there in a few minutes. That was Stevie. Because that's how he thought about how he moved through life. Everybody was important. That story about Stevie and the janitor really stuck with me. And when the exhibition opened, I visited the galleries early one morning in search of a more direct connection to the person, the human being that I'd been learning about secondhand. The museum hadn't yet opened, and I had the exhibit space to myself. It was just me and the objects on display. Stevie Ray's guitars, with their finish worn down to bare wood from years of hard playing, Outfits stained by makeup and sweat. Lyric sheets written in Stevie's free-flowing hand. Suddenly, what had been an abstract notion of a musician and his legacy was made real for me. It was a powerful moment. But as I wandered through the exhibit, one item really grabbed my attention. A ten-foot-tall photo mural provides the backdrop for a case of artifacts— The mural's composed of three close-up black-and-white photos of Stevie Ray playing the guitar. And they're not glamour shots. The expressions on Stevie's face are a mix of intensity, anguish, and relief. He's tensed up, eyes closed, dramatically bending those thick strings. The photos had such an impact on me that I reached out to Tracy Ann Hart, the Houston-based professional music photographer who took them more than 30 years ago. He picked those off the contact sheet uh, as his favorites, and he's actually playing the guitar solo in the song Texas Flood. And just the looks on his face and just those, you know, those huge strings that he's bending, it's just so intense. And that solo is so passionate. I mean, it's a guy crying to his woman who left him out in the cold and the rain, and he can't get through to her no matter what he does, so... That's what the solo is all about. It's the cry of love. The cry of love. I don't think I've ever heard a more appropriate description of the blues, a mixture of pleasure and pain that can't be reconciled. Those photographs are so powerful because they're both heart-wrenching and beautiful. I was fascinated to learn that Stevie chose them himself. They're not hero shots of a virtuoso guitarist. They're snapshots of the blues in action a personification of the gut-wrenching feelings expressed through music and lyrics, revealed through the player and amplified to the audience as an invitation to share in the pain and the redemption. Topics that Stevie explored often both during and after his struggles with substance abuse. His openness about those challenges was a powerful influence on fans and his peers. Chris shared some of Stevie's wisdom on the topic. Stevie had a message. Um... You know, the message he would give to people is like, you know, you can go home from the party, and it's good to go home from the party. When I met uh, John Mayer, did some work with him, he called me up on the phone. He said, I just want to tell you, right off the bat, he said that way back when, when I was young, he said, I heard that. And he said, I went out on, had been out on this biggest drunk that I'd ever been on. I woke up feeling horrible, and I heard Stevie say, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to go there. I heard what he said. 
And that message was also heard by the likes of Bonnie Raitt and Jimmy Vaughn, who credit Stevie with helping them gain their sobriety. After Stevie got sober in 1985, he would take a break in the middle of performing the song Life Without You and testify about the importance of taking care of yourself so that you can be prepared to take care of others. I'd like to talk to you for a second if I can. I'd like to start off by thanking God that I'm alive and well enough to be here with you tonight. You know, this is a big world and there's a lot of things that we need to be taking care of. Because all I know is that we're supposed to take care of each other the best we can. And it seems to me that to be able to take care of each other, first we must take care of ourselves. Not too long ago, I was a victim of not taking care of myself. It's a dead end street. What I'm talking about is drugs. They're a dead end street. They kill you. They're people. See what they do is they take away the love. They make you not care about yourself, so you don't know if somebody else cares about you at the same time. So if you remember nothing else about today, remember to help yourself. So you can't help your brothers and sisters. Let's get some love back around here, okay? During this project, I found myself trying hard not to get caught up in the tragic element of Stevie Ray's story. And everyone I talked to commented on how they wanted to focus on the positive outcomes of Stevie's life and work. But Texas writer Jonik Potoski said something that I'd been thinking all along. My regret is knowing how much he knew and what a learner he was, how much he was absorbing. I didn't get to hear 10 or 20 years more of where he was going because that would have been just as exciting as the body of work that we have now. No doubt in my mind. So how to wrap this up? I'll share a little anecdote of my own and hope that it provides a larger perspective on what Stevie Ray Vaughan has come to mean for me. I've lived in Austin for three years. One of the first landmarks pointed out to me when I arrived was the memorial statue of Stevie Ray. It sits in Auditorium Shores Park on the edge of Ladybird Lake at the foot of downtown Austin. One cold morning last January, I decided to visit the memorial take some pictures, and people watch. I'd been there all of five minutes and was backing up to snap a photo when a woman jogger came striding up the path and brushed by me. She stopped to apologize, and as she did, she said, every day I have to say good morning to Stevie on my run. Then she reached out to touch his bronze cowboy boot and ran off into the early morning light. I immediately regretted not asking to interview her. What did Stevie mean to her, I wondered. Why was this ritual part of her daily routine? 
I'll never know. But we all have certain touchstones in our life. And thanks to this project and my introduction to the remarkable talent and spirit of Stevie Ray Vaughan, I've gained a few of my own. And if you've made it this far in our podcast, I hope you found some too. Thanks for listening. During this project, I met some of the most generous and talented people on the planet who all graciously shared their time and their remembrances. A big Texas-sized thank you to each and every one of them. The exhibition Pride and Joy, the Texas Blues of Stevie Ray Vaughan was created by the Grammy Museum in Los Angeles and guest curated by Texas Blues legend and Stevie Ray's brother, Jimmy Vaughan. The show runs at the Bullock Museum through July 23, 2017. This podcast is a production of the Bullock Texas State History Museum. Learn more at thestoryoftexas.com. Chris Wilder's on the keyboard. Tommy Shannon on the bass. Chris Madden on the drums. I'm still Stevie Ray Vaughan, and we're definitely Devil Trouble. Yeah.